Good morning, friends. It's time to brush the sleepy dust from your eyes. Rise and shine, up and at them. He has our first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's M-E-Y-E-R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say. I never thought of myself as baloney, but you know. You ready? Whistle along. No? <laughs> I can't hear it. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. We're talking tunes. I'm Oscar Oswald. We have the, the big man himself, Mr. Bill Eddings, is in the house tonight. Hey, how you doing? Can't call him the Chronicle guy anymore. But, no, you know. not for a while. <laughs> anyway, we've got uh, Bob is here on time. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Appreciate hey. that. You know, get here when Bob you get here. <laughs> You sound like you're surprised. <laughs> is, that a, is that a shock? I don't know. No, no, no. And then, of course, the uh, the oldest member of the group. Isn't it nice to be the oldest member of the yeah, group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're going to make Bill sure used that. To be, yeah. call, it, call it seniority. Yeah, I used to be. Senior, that. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So now we have, uh, you want to call Peter Tripp the curly-headed yeah, kid, okay, well, kid in the third row? Okay, that's what you want to do. Now, now, Paul, you want to start first with your your anecdote about uh, back in 1950 something when you did, uh, you sat at the, somebody's house and you guys recorded a raunchy tune or something. <laughs> oh, and I was just talking about the uh, we can't decide whether it's Mike Shannon or Tom Shannon show on WKBW KBW, uh, yeah. out there in Buffalo, New York, and uh, Wild Weekend. Wild Weekend by the Rockin' Rebels was his theme song. And I was just saying that I was sitting in Sandy Vicarelli's living room with, uh, with Jack Jack Clement, uh, that wrote the song. And uh, I was just reminiscing about that. I mean, I was just the guy sitting in the corner. Everybody else was doing the... And then I guess they finally went to a recording studio and it became, it became a top ten hit. So you weren't in the recording studio singing along or anything? No, no, we were sitting on a couch. Oh man, was it, this story was, was you know boring, just man. picking Come the on. guitar a little bit and <laughs> going do 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 Mike Shannon show. You know they were just singing along. Yeah, so I can see why you didn't sing in the studio. I'm not. <laughs> now, well, now, when you get old like me, you start reminiscing about those old things. Yeah, like that. yeah, They're the past. Last week we did the show. We kind of did a lot of reminiscing about the old talk and tune show. And I'm I'm glad Bill is here today because there's one thing I wanted to I wanted to talk about. I'm gonna I want to play a song and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Everybody can take a listen to it, and uh, you guys will will see what I went, I'm talking about here. But anyway, here's here's the song. We're gonna do this real quick, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk some more talking tunes. Muskegon Harbor's got the rusty clipper. It's a bucket of bolts we can plainly see. The bell's been stolen, the locks are busted now. What makes you think of this as a good start? Muskegon Harbor's got a rusty clipper. Bucket of bolts 
we can plainly see The paint is chipping It's lost its luster now What makes you think of this As a good start Muskegon Harbor's got a rusty clipper A bag of bolts we can plainly see Rusting away Who's gonna fall apart? Who's gonna pay for this big brain fart? Muskegon Harbor's got a rusty clipper. Muskegon Harbor's got a Herman Hermit Sue. Yeah, yeah, they, they should, yeah. <laughs> that's Mrs. Brownie, you've got a lovely daughter. Are you yeah. kidding me? That's, that's what it was. I was trying to think of what that what it was. Okay. Who was that, singing that? That was uh, Ted, what was his name now? Tumbleweed Ted. And uh, we, I, we saw him one night over playing at the Papa Top. And <clears throat> we all got together at the Priory. Bill was there, and I was there. And I think Greg and maybe John and Annette. And we all sat down and we wrote a song about the Clipper. And we gave it to Tumbleweed, and that's what he that's what he did. So, so was he English? Uh, I don't remember. He sounded like remember. he had an accent. I don't think so. Well, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, that could just Boston, be maybe diction, Boston. But, I don't know. Uh, I thought maybe you brought Herman's Hermits in, and no, yeah, I no, thought it was no. Herman. Maybe yeah, it was, <laughs> it was Peter <laughs> Noon just rolling over. <laughs> well, he can. Uh, he's he not can dead, but I'll put him in his grave. <laughs> yeah. he yeah, he why get him there? <laughs> You could tell he wasn't going to make a lot of money on it, so he just used one of Herman Hermit's tunes. But anyway, it was, uh, yeah, he was, uh, it was you know, all of us wrote that song. And I remember the one line that I put in there was the, the one about the farts, of course, is that was my line. But do you remember your line? Or I don't. You probably didn't remember, you remember the song. Yeah, I, I'll tell you the truth, I didn't. I remember the one that Sharon Polladin did. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, uh, but that was, was a good song. Juniata. Yeah, which the was, Clipper used to be called. Yeah, but. which is what they were trying to raise money to yeah. get the Clipper. Well, let, let me get this straight. So you guys decided to write this song. Yeah. And not obviously not in honor of the Clipper. Obviously, yeah. You guys destroyed That's it. It's pretty disparaging. <laughs> <laughs> so there was money trying to be raised to get this thing back into decent-looking shape, right? Yeah. And you guys were like, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to just make this thing sound like the worst <laughs> floating. Well, yeah, but, okay, where is the Clipper now? Where is it now? It's over there. Know. It's over it's there. Still there. It's still yeah, there. It's still there. It's and it's still just, there. It and they're still working away. on it. Are they working on it? Yeah, they have, they have tours on it. Well, oh. maybe you should get yeah, the song the out, get it some airplay, get people reminiscing about what an amazing... <laughs> oh. Well. When I was a little kid, well, my brother and I took the Clipper over oh, yeah. uh, to well, Milwaukee. I, my mother found out she was carrying me at five months because she threw up the whole trip. Hey, on the on the Clipper. So anyway, that was the story I heard. Anyway, back in '59, my dad worked on that boat. Did he? When he was uh, it was either when he was in high school. He went to Montague High School, and then he went to community college. So it was either while he was in high school or as a young college student, he worked on the Clipper. You know, I don't know, busting tables or whatever. Yeah, but. Yeah, so I, I remember growing up and hearing about the Clipper, and it was a great ship at the time, I guess. you know, Oh, yeah. Very yeah. nice. Was yeah. it, you know, what we talked about, uh, I think it was during the time Peggy White Knight was part of the whole thing to try to raise money to, to get the Clipper 
going again. I don't know why we, we, we did that. I have no idea. It just I get kind of the way the talking tune show was going at that time, I guess, in the nineties. I don't know. But um we just picked on it for some reason. I have no idea well, why. Why not, right? It was we were eating the priory. We probably were all coming down from a high, you know, who knows? You know, too many bloody Marys or whatever. But I was uh, gonna mention that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But anyways, we wrote that. But yeah, hey, if people want to buy that song, I'll, we'll send the money over to uh, the Restoration of the Clipper. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> what the, have, have you been on board? I haven't. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. The main lounge still looks great. Yeah. No, see, I, I seen the Clipper when I took the uh, the ferry across, the express ferry, and when we were going to Milwaukee, and um, it didn't look bad from what I could see. No, the... It looks fine. Yeah. It's just the, I mean, it's not up to code. Not seaworthy. And it's, yeah. the people who are working on it are really working hard, but no one has, has deep pockets. Right. It's going to take some serious money to get that thing up to code. Well, what is the bell? Decide, I heard something about the bell got stolen or something. Did somebody steal the bell? Or I had heard that, whether it happened. I mean, I don't see the plants that much. Well, plant pretty much uh, has been in charge of this thing, and, and okay. I just haven't seen him in a while. I see his son, you know, young Walt, yeah. every now and then. But I've never been on it. I've oh, it's really cool. Has it been out of commission and not oh, working God. for a while? For a long a time. long time? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I say, the only time I was on it was in my mother's belly. Oh, yeah. I, so it's been a long months. time. It's been a long time, yeah. Okay. 60 years. Yeah. It's like it was like sitting in Cleveland or somewhere for a little while, and then we brought it back. Yeah, we brought it yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. And then so, they, they were probably like, yeah, take it. <laughs> well, you know, the, the one the one ship right now, the LST, that, of course, is has been redone. I mean, they got the money to do that. Of course, that has to something to do with the, the, the war. So it was a, kind of a memorial kind of thing. So I'm sure they oh, got, yeah. Oh, yeah. They got they, a lot of money that, money way. that yeah. but, um, sides, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You talk to and older people, sides. and they still, I mean, they they think of Muskegon and the Clipper right. together. Right. right. When it was the true port city. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think of some of the parties you could have on the Clipper. You know, that'd be fun over there as far as wedding parties and you know the receptions and all that stuff. They could do it right there. You, you say you say this, you can have there's still tours on it. Mm-hmm. Why do I go down and see it? I've never I, I missed. I, I'm part of the historical society. <clears throat> excuse me, the historical society in White Lake, and they did take a tour on it. And I missed that day. I don't know why, but for some reason I couldn't make it. But yeah, I I wish I could have because I I like I say I've never been on it. So anyway, Milwaukee Clipper. Uh, well, it's something you and I never been on. It's something you and I should do. Yeah, yeah. And then That's again, a huge can, part of the history of this community. Only if you hold my hand, Paul. Then you guys no, can thanks. write a new revised edition <laughs> yeah. of the song. Yeah, there you yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a little more impressed, maybe. <laughs> I, I can sing. I, can play I was always impressed with it. I can say I have no idea why we wrote that song. All I know is that I found it, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm hoping Bill or, or Annette or Greg or somebody is here so I can play that and see if they remembered, so... Build a, build I'm, probably, I'm afraid I airballed that one. <laughs> you probably, you probably, yeah, you probably didn't even, you probably didn't even involve that. You probably said, "I'm not doing this." Yeah, maybe I had a you know, nature lucid moment there. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing now, another piece of history that just uh, blew up the cop, the cop plant. Yeah, I saw that. that. Yeah, I'd so. forgotten they were going to do it, I, and everybody I, thought it was thunder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I, I was saw it on TV, of course, like most people did. I was wish I would have known. I would have went down there because I mean, yeah. I noticed that they finally got the stack down, and I'm thinking, okay, so this, what are they going to do with this? I didn't realize they were going to blow it up. 
I didn't know. Well, that. I knew they were going to do it sometime, but I didn't know when. I don't know how well publicized that was. Maybe they didn't want a lot of people around. Maybe. Probably not. I yeah, didn't hear a lot of no, you know, in, in, in the summertime, you know, yeah. people can take their boats out and watch it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, because we you, you, that could be a real traffic problem on the causeway. Yeah, yeah. there's no parking that we had. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, we drove by there. There's still quite a bit of rubble there yet. Oh so, yeah, yeah, a lot to clear up yet. But boy, I did, when that thing came down, it came down. Even that little trailer trailer on the top there, or whatever. Yeah, I it saw was. the video of it. Too. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I never got to see the accidental go down, but now, like two weeks before I came here to work, oh, really? that's when the accidental went down. Yeah, that was quite quite the monument too here. Oh yeah, speaking. yeah. Yeah, that's where kid, the original I, WKBZ started. I remember started. standing in Hackley Park as a, as a kid. I was probably eight or ten years old when that thing went down. And I remember, you know, a big group of people standing there and just watching it and implode, and it like went off without a hitch. I think it was. It did very well um, done. And I only know what I read about. Yeah, well it, orchestrated. But... It kind of landed right where they wanted it to land, and yeah. But I, I remember vividly being in the park right across the street and watching it, and. Hmm. Yep, for those of the listeners who might not know, the Occidental was the Occidental Hotel. Right. And and the, the press club was in there. Before the Of course, it's right across the street from the Chronicle, <laughs> so you can imagine how hairy that got it after deadline. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, now the Muskegon Mall. Did that get just imploded too when they took that down? I don't remember. I don't, I mean, I was. No, here. they just kind of took it down. They just took yeah, it down. It wasn't that big. I mean, it was like only two stories in a couple spots. Yeah, right. it was really like a few it blocks. It was just a flat yeah. building, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't I remember, of course, I've been in there many times, so I don't remember when they took it down, how they took it down, so. In Alice in Wonderland, who kept crying, I'm late, I'm late? Alice and her mother's sick about it. <laughs> 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 Listening to Talking Tunes on Muskegon's 100.9. And here's a song that, uh, well, it came out in 1972. It's not really a song. You'll understand once you hear it. And uh, we're going to play for it. It's called Convention 72. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Walter Klondike from Convention Hall, Miami Beach, bringing you the first get-together convention of Republicans and Democrats alike. We have Henry Kissinger and Vice President Agnew standing by on the right side of Convention Hall. Come in, David Stinkley. Thank you, Walter. Uh, Mr. Kissinger, amid this historic moment, with all the pomp and grandeur of the political system of America all around you, tell us, sir, what are your innermost thoughts at this very moment? Gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman. Uh, Vice President Agnew, what are your thoughts, sir? Right on. Mr. Agnew, when you heard the rumors that President Nixon might not select you as his running mate again, what did you say to him? You never should have promised to me. Give it here. Don't hold back now. Give it here. Don't say nothing. Just give it here. Come on. Uh, Mr. Agnew, if you were in Senator McGovern's place, who would you have chosen as a running mate? Bertha. Uh, Bertha who? Bertha Butt. Who's she, sir? One of the Butt sisters. Do you agree, Mr. Kissinger? Gotta find a woman. Gotta find a woman. Gotta find a woman. Thank you, Henry Kissinger and Vice President Agnew. Back to you, Walter. Thank you, David. Now, Sidney Bruntley is over on the left side. He has Sergeant Shriver with him. Sergeant Shriver, what did you say to Senator McGovern when he finally asked you to be his running mate? You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. How did you finalize your agreement with Senator McGovern? Sealed with a kiss. Oh, shades of excitement. One final question, sir. What kind of offer did Senator McGovern make you? He made me an offer. 
I couldn't refuse. Sidney, forgive me, but our roving reporter, Larry Reasoning, has Martha Mitchell on the microphone. Take it away, Larry Reasoning. Uh, Mrs. Mitchell, would you like to talk to our listeners? I suck it to you, daddy. Now that your husband has resigned from politics, how do you feel, ma'am? I'm the happiest girl in the whole USA. Mrs. Mitchell, your complaint was that your husband didn't have any time to spend with you. Now that you are alone, ma'am, what do you talk about? Well, I can understand that, Mrs. Mitchell. Now back to you, Walter. Sidney Bruntley is on the left side of the floor with Mr. and Mrs. Eagleton and Senator McGovern. Take it away, Sidney. Thank you, Walter. Senator McGovern, how did you feel when you and Senator Eagleton first separated, sir? Come on again, naturally. Oh, yes. What did you do then? And what did your physician advise? Put the lime in the coconut and call me in the morning. Everyone was turning you down, sir. If Sergeant Schreiber had also refused, who would you have turned to then? A horse with no name. Oh, I love horses. Now, Senator Eagleton, how does one feel in the morning when his world has been shattered, sir? Well, you wake up in the morning and your hands are shaking and your nerves are all up tight. Well then, Senator, why didn't you resign immediately? Am I wrong for trying to hold on to the best thing I ever had? Yes, and what are your feelings now towards the people who opposed you? They smile in your face all the time they want to take your place to backstab us. One final question to you, Senator Eagleton. What did you say to the newspaper columnist when you met him face to face? Senator McGovern, what are your feelings on that, sir? How can a loser ever win? Mrs. Eagleton, would you like to answer him? Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stop? Who do you think will vote for Senator McGovern now that your husband is out? Ma'am, do you think you could have done more for your husband during those trying times? I know it's not my fault. I did my best. Thank you very much. Now back to you, Walter. There's a commotion on the left side of the floor. We've got Senator Kennedy standing with Jane Ronda. Take it away, David Stinkley. Uh, Senator Kennedy, people are talking about your political future because of your good looks, your smile, and the sound of your voice. Why? And the magnificent. If you decide to run for president in 76, who will be your campaign manager? The candy man. Uh, Miss Rhonda, Miss Rhonda, just one question, please. What do you think of President Nixon? I don't know how to love uh, Thank you, Miss Rhonda. Uh, uh, Mr. Kissinger, what are you doing all the way over here on this side of the hall? Gotta find a woman. Gotta find a woman. Now that's it from here, Walter. Thank you, David. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, America. We now return you to your local stations. Friends, after the bitter divorce of country music greats Tammy Schnee and Cowboy Conrad, they swore they'd never make an album together again. But now, Infidelity Records is proud to present Tammy and Conrad's first album since their bust-up. My sister told me that you was a jerk. Brother, she was right I'd rather spend six months in solitaire Than one more day with you Separate cars, hotel rooms, and recording studios Have made this historic new album possible Slime ball 
you're a slime ball. Tonight she's serving him steak and potatoes and serving a subpoena to me. And did you know he picks his nose and wears his socks to bed? And Order you your copy of Country Hate today. I hate your guts. Back with more talking tunes after this. I'm mosquito. I don't 100% beef. I don't care about fresh pickles and onions. When I'm hungry, I just want to eat and run. I just want to go to eat and run. Eat and run. Eat and run. Sweet and sour squirrel heads, fillet of bat on whole wheat bread, some monkey brains with mayonnaise or alligator consomme. Rattlesnake and peanut butter bowls of chili with whale blubber, with cream on my jellyfish, sauteed spiders for the side dish. Porpoise flippers, casserole, some beetles on a butter roll, a salad made with gopher gut spaghetti and dry roasted nuts. And for dessert, some cut up toad hot in the bowl or a la mode. chocolate covered camel humps. Just make sure that you chew the lumps. Don't forget the salmonella, strawberry or plain vanilla, botulism or tomain, cause one's the special of the day. Eat and run, I love the taste, I get so sick all at one place. When you just wanna eat and run, there's no better place than eat and run. They got the eats when you gotta run. And we're back on Talking Tunes, and again we're visiting with Bill Eddings, and we're talking about what else but Muskegon Civic Theater. And we talked about the past, we talked about perhaps the golden era, but we've also got the current edition, and we've got one coming up. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, by the time people hear the show, the uh, this program, the show will have opened. Uh, uh, it's called Fun Home, and it is a musical uh, being done in what we call the black box format. It's going to be done at the Frauenthal Theater, but in the black box format, the audience is on stage with the performers oh, wow. uh, in the three-quarter round. Uh, this is a musical taken from a graphic novel uh, by a woman named Alison Bechtel. Uh, and this, she's a real person. Um, and it was an autobiographical graphic novel, which uh, Janine Testori and Lisa Crone made into a musical. Um, this was the first, I believe, the first musical in the history of Broadway where the lead character was a lesbian. Oh, wow. And this play, this, is, this play is, by the way, not for children. Um, we, in the black box format, we take, we take a few chances. This is about her reminiscences of her life. Uh, and Fun Home refers to the fact that she uh, grew up in a funeral home. Hmm. And she and her brothers and sisters called it Fun Home. And uh, it's talking about um, her at three different ages, but primarily when she's an adult. Not dealing with her family and her sexuality. She's dealing with the suicide of her father, who one of his problems was that he was, he was a closeted homosexual and never let anybody know. Mm. And uh, anyway, the show is going to run for only two weekends. We, we normally do three weekends for our smaller shows, but in the black box we do two because other things have got to be done in the Frauenthal. You know, they're going to kick us out. Mm-hmm. But uh, So it's going to be really cool. One thing I like to point out about it, that in the show, playing the father is Michael Ramsey. Now, I don't know if you, any of you know Michael, but he just recently was sworn in as Muskegon City Commissioner. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. he's been in a few of our shows now. Mm. He was just in uh, A Christmas Carol, and now he's doing a major role in this one. And Michael is also on our board of directors. So this uh, should be you know, pretty good. It's uh, limited seating. Uh, I tell you, if you're going to get tickets, 
I'd get them now because we can only seat 150 people per performance. Okay. Uh, because of what the setup is. But anyway, it's going to be an. It, what's really neat about this is the the lead character of Allison is played at three different ages by three different performers: small Allison, medium Allison, and then adult, adult Allison. Okay. And uh, which means you have you know kids in the show, and also some younger people playing young Allison's siblings. Um, so it it won a lot of awards. I think it won the the award for best musical. Uh, the music is just outstanding. Um, the director is Andrew Zart, and he was telling me the other day, he says, you better bring a handkerchief at the end because you're going to need it. Mm. Mm. Uh, so that's good. that should be pretty interesting. And then they'll be the Civic Theater will be getting ready to go into the last show of the, of the current season, and that will be the big musical. And that's going to be Mamma Mia, oh, which is go. the songs of Ava. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's My an extremely popular show. Yeah. Uh, auditions are coming up, I think, February 16th and 17th. And uh, come on out, folks. We need a lot of people. There's, yeah, there's our opportunity. Yeah, we got to go. We'll go, definitely. My wife loves that, loves that show. So, yeah. I, well, I... I I hate to admit it, but you know, being a kid from the seventies, I do like ABBA too. I yeah, I like them now. I sing, I sing it along. Well, I was never a, a huge ABBA fan. I I, it's not like I dislike ABBA. Yeah, but I wasn't a huge ABBA fan. But I am a fan of the popularity of that show. Well, yeah, that popularity. <laughs> and do you realize that the the uh, one of the lead singers, the female lead singer, the blonde in ABBA, I don't know her name, but she has. Uh, uh, people used to go to the concerts just because she had, was voted the number one butt. <laughs> but me like number one, but the number what? one behind. <laughs> oh, B U T T. I see. Number yeah. one behind in in America. Oh, I think it meant like number one, but not really. Yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, so. let's turn this back to Fun Home, <laughs> if we may. Yeah. Uh, again, this is a playing at the Muskegon Civic Theater um, downtown. You can get tickets through Star Tickets one eight hundred five eight five three seven three seven. That's one eight hundred. Five eight five three seven three seven, and the box office is open Monday through Friday, eleven to five thirty. Also at MuskegonCivicTheater.org. Theater, oh, theater. theater. I got right. I got questions for you about them, sure. because you're, you're always uh, you always do your pick. You used to do your pick in the Muskegon Chronicle as far as the, who you picked for the Oscar. Oh, the Academy Awards. The Academy Beat Awards. Bill. Well, yeah. for I think twenty seven consecutive years, we had the Beat Bill. Academy Awards contest, right. and it was a promotion. I mean, it was my—it was not my idea. It was Bill Lockstrom's idea. Oh, okay. But it just took off, and it was always our most popular um, promotion. Yeah, it was, it was huge. It was. it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, who, are you going to make a prediction now or not? You know, I don't. I haven't seen everything. Yeah. But I have seen quite a few. Um, as far as who's going to win it, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Because then, then it becomes a horse race. Yeah, you know, like you're just you know picking the ponies or something like that. I would always pick the movie that I thought should that I would vote for if I was a voting member of the Academy. Yeah, not yeah. necessarily who you thought was going to win, but no. who you thought should win. Yeah, and sometimes I hit it, and sometimes I didn't. Yeah, uh, I have seen, of course, Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood, Hollywood. We were talking about that, uh, which uh, yeah. um, it's a movie I liked a lot. I've seen The Irishman. Which is on Netflix, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a whole different story there, right? Um, I finally got to see Jojo Rabbit, 
And boy, if you haven't seen it, I saw. I Facebook. highly recommend you see this movie. I saw on Facebook that you had told everybody that they should go see that movie. It's, it's made by a, a filmmaker from New Zealand that also made a Netflix production called What We Do in the Shadows. It's about these four roommates growing up together, you know, hanging around together and stuff like that, which they've been doing for hundreds or maybe thousands of years because they are vampires. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I have not seen Parasite yet, which is from South Korea, and that is up for Best Picture, even though I believe it's a foreign language film. Yeah. Um, Can't do it. And I haven't seen Bombshell yet. Mm-hmm. Um, as what's really going to win? Jeez, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to see everything, and I don't. I don't envision that happening. Well, like I was telling you earlier, I, I finally saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I, I liked it, but I, I don't know. I was it was a little bit too slow moving for me. And the climactic uh, ending was great, but uh, and then I kind of I don't want to give away the ending, but to me it was kind of like saying, "What if this would have happened this way instead of the other way?" That's what I felt with. Well, the director Quentin, and Tarantino, he's also yeah. the writer, did the same thing right. in Glorious Bastards. With the the fate of Adolf Hitler, yeah. so let me do a little spoiler there. <laughs> They've he's rewritten history again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, okay. Now I gotta. I definitely gotta ask you about this one. It's not nominated for anything, but uh, I've heard so many comedians put it down, and I would never see it because I didn't like the original production of it. But Cats. What do you think of the movie Cats? Um, I have not seen the movie. I just. Buys the stage show. Okay, yeah, good. I no, don't thank like you, Bill. it at all. <laughs> I and, either. I thought I couldn't stand and of course, it. the critics have just ravaged this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the one of the best write ups I've ever seen about cats is by the columnist Joe Queenan. I don't know if you know who he is. He, I think he writes now for the Wall Street Journal, but he is really sarcastic. And when he was writing about cats, he goes, "I was really unprepared." And he's not talking about the movie; he's talking about the stage show of how awful this show is. Yeah, yeah, and because. I'll tell you what it's about. It's about cats. <laughs> and, and that is what it's about. On yeah. the other hand, it's a hugely popular show. I know. But I remember when I saw I took my daughter to see it in a production in Chicago at the old Schubert Theater, I think it was. Or maybe it was the Blackstone. But, and she was like 12 or something like that. And she's, well, she's not 12 now. I won't tell you how old she is. But I'm sitting there going, God, would someone just sing the song Memory so we can get out of here? <laughs> And uh, but visually, it's you know quite stunning. Yeah. And, but and then I don't know when I went to see uh, um, the, the stage version of The Lion King. Yeah, I was prepared to hate it. It's really astounding. Yeah, yeah. it's got the, probably the best opening scene I've ever seen. Okay, on stage. Now, what about the movie? Did you see the the remake of the movie? Um, I saw bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen. it. Uh, you know, what, once you've seen it on stage, when you when the, all these huge animals come in, of course they're yeah. You know, they're puppets, yeah. but the puppeteers are inside the animals. Right, right. And so you can see them, too. And uh, it's really, really something. So kind of hard to watch an animated thing after that, yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're two different animals, yeah, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. Fun. Well, we're going to take another break, and we'll be back with more Talking Tunes after this. You have a headache. No, I don't. Yes, you do! <laughs> take two. You have a headache. Yes, I do. I knew this would be well thought out. Yes. <laughs> well, you guys. Nothing but the best. I know you. I know you. But I mean, he, he's been. 
you know, you guys did work together doing uh, years basketball. Years years. Yeah. Basketball. Yeah. We had a whole career together. We had a fun time. All right, talking tunes, and we're back in Mr. Bill. Or Mr. Bill. Mr. Bob. Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill. Oh, no. Help me. Help me. <laughs> Help me, Bob. All right. Well, we are here with Bill Eddings. Many people, of course, around town know, and he had a long time history with the Muskegon Chronicles we just alluded to uh, a little bit earlier. 35 years, just about. Yeah. And yeah. Well, of course, your specialty was covering the arts. Arts entertainment. I mean, I've covered everything. Yes. But, but for the last 20, 25 years, that's what I concentrated on. Local theater as a critic, but also you partook in the act as well. Mm-hmm. been a performer and director. Yeah. And uh, a playwright. I mean... So let's let's get a little bit back into your background before this all happened. Where where, where did that initially come from? Your your desire, your your idea of getting involved with that. Well, to tell you the truth, I mean, I I'd never even thought about it. I was never in a play till I was thirty years old. I didn't do it as a as a kid. My grandparents took me to New York City once, my brother and I, and we got to see some stuff on Broadway, including seeing Art Carney in a play. You know, okay. from a Jackie Gleason show. Yeah. And so I always thought it was kind of cool, but I didn't really give any thought to do it. All I wanted to do was play basketball. I mean, certainly beat studying. And, <laughs> and but then, but when I came here to work for the paper, and I, I had come from the Lansing State Journal. I worked on the, in the sports department there. And uh, I was a general assignment reporter, and I was covering Oceana and Mason Counties. Well, after a year... They brought me into the main office. They wanted me the, to be the, their uh, business person and because uh, they knew I had a background in it. Um, and then they just happened to find out that I had an interest in movies, which I've had my whole life. Uh, so I said, well, we've never had a movie critic. So I began reviewing movies, I think, in 76 or something, 1976. Okay. But anyway... At the old Port City Playhouse, which is over by Hackley Stadium. Yep. Right and it's now the, the Muskegon Civic Theater scene shop. Well, there was a play going on there. It was a play by Tennessee Williams, as I remember. But the person who was reviewing for the Chronicle, and I think at that time it was Susan Harrison. Um, and I believe the show was Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Okay. Well, she didn't want to review it. And I said, well, we've got to send somebody. So they sent me. And I go to see this show, and I said, well, that looks like kind of fun. And also, boy, there are a lot of girls in these things. <laughs> this is, maybe there's something here. So shortly after that, I, I auditioned for Civic Opera Association's South Pacific. And they actually gave me, I'd never been in a plane in my life. And they actually gave me a name role. Lieutenant Buzz Adams. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the first thing I ever did, and it just kind of took off from there. And uh, so anyway, now I, I don't do that much acting anymore. You know, 40 years is a long time to do that stuff, um, particularly if you're not a working professional in it. Uh, but I am on the, the board of directors for the Muskegon Civic Theater. And, of course, they've got their new show starting right now. Yeah. Well, let's let's get back to uh, some of maybe your favorite things that you were involved in. Some some of your favorite roles, maybe, or the the uh, different performances that you did. Well, Shakespeare is always good. Uh, I've been at Hamlet. I did not play Hamlet, of course. He's a young man. As a matter of fact, I was the ghost of Hamlet's father 
which means, I mean, I'm so far along, I'm playing people who are already dead. <laughs> and, uh, and I really enjoyed that. I played the title role in Cymbeline, and I played uh, Gloucester in King Lear, which is a really big role. Not as big as Lear, of course, but uh, um, I really enjoyed doing the, the title role in The Man Who Came to Dinner, which was, I was done out of town. I got a phone call from this theater company over in Greenville, the Flat River Players. And they had lost their lead actor. He'd gotten mm. sick, um, hospitalized, I believe. Well, can you take over the role? Well, they were opening in two weeks. No understudy. No, not in community theater, you do not have understudies. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> so I said, well, you know, I've been in the play, which I had been. That was uh, uh, the first play Muskegon Civic Theater ever did. In 1985, when it formed, but I did not play that role. I played, strangely enough, the newspaper man. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I said, "Well, I'll come over and get her to try," and I, but I couldn't take time off work. So I mean, I was at work during the day and still trying to learn all my lines, blocking, and I had two weeks wow. to get it ready. But at the time, Steve Landsberg from the TV show Barney Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played uh, he played Dietrich, I think. He was here doing a play for Cherry County Playhouse. And I had had lunch with Steve, and I ran into him in Muskegon Mall. He goes, hey, how's the play coming along with those lines? He goes, and I'm like, man, I don't know. He goes, oh, you'll do it, and I'll tell you why. You have to. <laughs> and he was right. There's no better motivation. It got done. So that was a really good experience. And uh, there have been a bunch of others. The Runner Stumbles, which I did at the Old Port City Playhouse. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, where I played Big Chief. Oh, oh wow. That really? was a real, yeah. Uh. yeah. And uh, that was a good show, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really that good show. That was pretty intense because of Very intense. The content. Uh, um, luckily, for, at least for the, the first part of the show, He's pretending to be mute, so he doesn't say right. anything. But you still got to act it. Yeah. So that was really good. But there's there's been a lot of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think, but the last thing I was in was a Holocaust play called uh, "I Never Saw Another Butterfly," and that was done at the college a couple of seasons ago. Now I'm pretty much uh, maybe it's my job to help other people mm-hmm. um, do it. So how is the theater scene in Muskegon now compared to then? Compared to maybe what you'd say was at its height. Where, where is it now? Well. You know, it was when I first came here, there were at least three theater groups in Muskegon. There was Port City Playhouse, uh, there was the Children's Theater, and there was Civic Opera Association. Well, what happened in 1985 is they merged into one. So Muskegon Civic Theater now has an education division. That's where the youth theater comes in. Uh, and um, the regular theater handles all the the musicals and what we call the straight plays, non-musicals. Um, now, back in the day when Port City Playhouse was around, they did a few musicals, but Civic Opera Association, that's all they did. And uh, I mean, they were around for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think since the 50s. This is a small community, although it does have a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. We've sent an amazing number of people to Broadway. Um, and not just to buy a ticket, yeah. but to be in the shows. You had these three different groups working separately. Well, that's kind of thinning out your resources. So, um. Time to take a quick break. I'm Oscar Osbo. 
And we'll be back with Bob and Bill Eddings and Peter Tripp after we uh, hear a little music from Mr. Don Henley on Muskegon's 100.9.
Will somebody somewhere Make these dark clouds disappear Until that day I have to believe I believe, I believe In a New York Tunes. I'm Oscar Oswald talking with Peter Tripp, uh, Bob Ecker, and of course Bill Eddings. And Bill, I got to ask this question: the, the, when Cherry County Playhouse was here, when Judy Johnson was running Civic Theater, mm-hmm. did you think that was kind of the prime time? Though I mean, I remember. Well, Ju- but Cherry County Playhouse was a big, big deal. Yeah. But also, when they moved here from Traverse City, they were doing small shows in Traverse City, right? Because they were performing in the round. Well, when you perform at the Frauenthal Theater, though, right. that's more than 1,700 seats. Right. You've got to do big shows, and you pretty much have got to do musicals, and they're expensive. Mm-hmm. And also, they were bringing in name stars right. to star in these shows, and you have to pay them a good wage. But also, you're bringing all the actors, most of the actors any, anyway, in from out of town. So not only have to pay them, you've got to house them, too. Right, right. It was, I mean, that was really a cool time. Neil Rosen, who was the producer, mm-hmm. and he and Pat Paulson, I believe, owned Trey County Playhouse together. Well, then he got sick. And it kind of it didn't last much longer after right, that. Right. And Neil, as we know, well, as you know, probably better than me, because I, I spoke with him a few times, but you knew him personally. Oh, I we, mean, were, he was we a, were good friends. He was an amazing man. Amazing man. Actually, I was in a, a play he wrote once. It was called Silver Anniversary. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did it for the Black Sheep Players. Black Sheep Players no longer exists. I remember that group, too. They yeah. used to do uh, some alternative stuff that the regular theater wasn't okay. doing. Okay. Now, the Civic Theater now, really, we have six main stage shows a year, and one of those is what we call the Penguin Project, okay. which is for performers who have, I, I wouldn't even call it disabilities, they have some challenges, and young performers. Yeah, we've been doing it, I think, for three years now, and uh, and we do it in every October. Yeah, I remember the Civic Theater. I had fun there too. Judy Johnson was there. I used to run sound a lot for certain things, and well, Judy was great. Oh yeah, and my she's daughter, a great performer too. My daughter was part of the the youth group, and yeah, it was, it was a good time. Good time back then. Memories. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, what? That's one of the great things about doing it is you, you save the pictures from them, not because you want to look at pictures of yourself, right. but it brings back so many memories. Oh, yeah. And normally I just, the stuff I really remember is the stuff that went wrong, Yeah, which, well, which happened the, a lot. But, but that's the fun part. That's always yeah, the fun this part. This is not like later. a movie where you get to reshoot yeah. the scene. Later, Once you, you screw you, up, you've screwed up. Later you laugh about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes much later, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, it depends on the screw-up, right? Well, you know, when you look back and it seems serious at the time, you realize, yeah. oh, come on, no one yeah. died. I kind of like the show. <laughs> the show might have died, but I mean... Well, I mean this let's, show. <laughs> let's get on the other side of it then. So aside from performing, reviewing, and critiquing, how how difficult was that to be in that role? Because you basically were doing them at the same time. Yeah. Uh, well, I, obviously I wasn't... <laughs> It's too bad I wasn't reviewing stuff I was in. I would have gotten great reviews. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, oh, what is this one standout performance? Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is good to have someone in it who knows the territory, though. And uh, the best example I can think of in, in my time in the Chronicle was John Allen. Now, John Allen was a great critic. Uh, he was also a very talented performer. He simply didn't have the uh, the physical health where he could do it very much. He'd been getting kind of frail his whole life. But, I mean, this guy used to be the chief uh, uh, movie critic for the Christian Science Monitor. Mm. And back when I remember, because uh, I have a copy of it, when the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey came out, Stanley Kubrick said that John, after John, reading John's review, is that he's the only critic who understood it. Oh, and he wow. called John in for a personal face-to-face interview. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. But you're right. It, it was a challenge because, obviously, when I'm in a show, I'm around the other actors. And I'm sorry. It's the nature of actors. They're just called up to, com- to complain to you. I'm going, oh, you know, quit reading the reviews and let's just do the show, you know. Now, who were who some of the famous people maybe that you rubbed elbows with in, in doing critiques or having... Did you like, do interviews as well, oh, or did you just... I mean, everyone who came in for Cherry County Playhouse, yeah. and several of them, I was in the shows with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I was I was in MAME, which starred Loretta Swit from the TV series MASH. Yep. And uh, I did, like, five little roles in that. And uh, But, like, I used to hang around with Don Knotts. <laughs> He'd come in and do a show, and, and I guarantee you, he was not Barney Fife uh, <laughs> at all. <laughs> he was quite a guy. And uh, but Joel Higgins from Silver Spoons, uh, he was here doing a play called The Foreigner. But I got to know them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rita Moreno, who oh, was just I mean, Rita Moreno, as big a star as you can think of. Wow! Uh, every time she'd come here to perform, we'd have lunch together. Mm-hmm. And huh. Of course, it took a little while to get through lunch because everybody was coming up. I wish I would have known you then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish I would have known you then. I Rita Moreno, man. Yeah, she was story. That's she was really something. Yeah. But I mean, they all were, and most of them are really great people. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what about Bar- you said Barney Fife was not uh, Don Knotts was Barney not Fife Barney Fife was a role yeah that was not what, what Don Knotts was, was what like. was Don Knotts what was he like um, he loved baseball yeah as a matter of fact he was, he was a big fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers and anyway, it was so funny he came in here to do I think Last of the Red Hot Lovers and I had just been at Wrigley Field mm. uh, to see the the Chicago Cubs play the Los Angeles Dodgers and that's all he wanted to talk about when we were having lunch I'm going, well, you know, I really need to ask you about the show. <laughs> well, he goes, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Tim Wallach hit a home run. and Back with more talking tunes after this. I'm Muskegon's 100. All right, Fudzy, this will be a take fee. Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. Suffer and succotash, that sounds worse than a Tweety Bird in a blender. Talking Tunes, we're back, and I heard there was a big game uh, last week sometime. Last week? This past Monday, National Championship uh, college football game. So you got the three of you all saw it. I didn't see it. 
because I'm, I'm one of the people without cable, so one of the few that, you know, still live in the Stone Age. But anyway, you guys, you guys tell me what was about, what happened at the game? Why was it so it was, spectacular? It was, well, it was between two teams that were, what, 14 and 0? Yeah. yeah, both teams were, were undefeated. Weren't they, weren't they the only two that ended up undefeated? I at least of the majors. Of so the majors, yeah. 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 And, of course, they had the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Burroughs, was it it's Joe? His name's Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. He used to be at Ohio State, and then he transferred right. out. And it was a great game. Boy, they, you could tell that those two teams were 14-0. and 0. Of course, unfortunately, one of them is 14-1 and one, and one's 15-0 and 0 now, but that's the way it goes. Well, final score was 42 to 25, and it it was a really entertaining game. Right, and it was back wasn't, and forth. Yeah, it wasn't out of sight until late in the game. It was it was close. You didn't know which way it was going to go for a long time. When did they pull out? They pull it out in the fourth quarter. They started really. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Clemson jumped ahead, and then LSU just took off. Yeah, they just took uh, off. Yeah, and they kind of kept they kind of kept them at arm's length the rest yeah. of the game. You can't believe some of the plays that this bro. Yeah, yeah well, he, he is definitely you know he won the Heisman for a reason. You know, he, yeah. he had a great year, and that's really what the Heisman's all about is who had the best college football season, and he really did. He's you know completing 70 percent of his passes, right, and uh, just making great decisions. He can also get up and run a little bit if he needs to, uh, but just you know that team is loaded with talent. LSU had a fantastic year. Of course, there's a little bit of a Muskegon. I was just going to ask you about that because you're a Muskegon Big Red. I don't yeah. want you, but I was scouring the sidelines to see if our Anthony Bradford was, and he was there. He was there, yeah. and he was dressed. Yeah. And uh, of course, he was the biggest player on the roster, physically speaking. And he is big. He's six. <laughs> I believe he's listed as six seven, three fifty five. Wow. He's now, a what true was freshman at? LSU. LSU? Okay. And he's uh, he played tackle in high school, but they say he may end up playing guard at LSU. But he's an offensive lineman. Uh, he did appear in several games this year. I think three before the prior, I believe prior that's to, the, right, yeah. to the championship game. And the rule in NCAA is if you appear in four or less, you can be redshirted. You can basically have that year back. And so they were holding... Uh, Anthony back, so they didn't burn his freshman year, just playing mop-up a little bit. So he still has four years of athletic eligibility left, but he did get to play in several games this year. And uh, you know, last night I saw him after the game. He was on the field celebrating. He was waving the big he LSU was. national he championship flag. flag. Right. Okay. He, had, he had the T-shirt and the hat on, and he was you know, getting interviewed a few times. But uh, just you know, he was obviously very excited. So he was a state champion at Muskegon High School. Now he's a national champion at LSU. And this kid, the future looks bright for him. He's an amazing talent, an amazing young man. He really is. And he, he listened to like his offensive line coach at Muskegon, Matt Bowles, head coach Shane Fairfield. Uh, they really speak very highly of this young man. And he is a good kid. He's making good decisions, and he's putting himself in you know in a spot where he can have a, a great future. What a thrill for him and his family. Yes. My Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't get any bigger than that. I mean, the national championship game. The game. Yep. Little tunes and talking tunes. So here is Don Henley. And all she wants to do is dance. Business, 
That's supposed to put you in a state hospital. Tony <laughs> <laughs> Weaver. Hey, Big Chuck. Yeah. According to recent research... Lay it on me. Okay. Is the average American male today at his physical peak at age 20, 30, or 40? Peter, I haven't had a peak since I was 40. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Talking Tunes, and we're here with, uh, of course, Mr. Bill Eddings, Bob Ecker, and Peter Tripp, the curly-headed kid in the third row. I'm Oscar Osbo. And the question I got, okay, this is a question to everybody. Uh, I, I think Green Bay might go all the way and, and be the Super Bowl. What do you think? What, what, what are your opinions on Green Bay? I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Uh, they got a good chance. They got a decent chance. I liked. I watched the. I watched that game, and that was a good game. And yeah. They pulled it off. They pulled it off like they usually do at the end. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what. Not like the Lions. Green, Green Bay is kind of a survival end. kind of team. Yeah. Rodgers is the oldest, the oldest quarterback in football right now. I mean, yeah. you know, this could be a big, big moment for him if he does take it all away. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's a chance. I, I guess I don't. I'm not a real huge NFL. Well, he's guy. not as old as Tom Brady, is he? Yeah. I don't know if he is, but is he's one as old as Tom Brady is. Well, I, I don't know. Aaron, Aaron Andrews was the interviewer, and of course, I'm well, he might be the oldest one who's still in still it because yeah. Brady's out. Yeah, the he's, Patriots he's got the beat. One's still yeah. in it, is what you said. Yeah. So there's another question. What Brady, our Michigan boy? You think he? I figured he was going to be all done. Somebody says he's going to come back again. Oh, he's coming back. Coming back. Yeah, the guy can still you think play. Think he should? Big time. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing with him was. If he would have won it, that's the, the the saying is if he would have won it this year, then he would have retired on top, and that would have capped his career, and he would have just kind of walked away into the sunset on that <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl high. But since he didn't win it, he feels like he has unfinished business. He feels like physically he can keep playing. He's stated in the past he has a goal of playing until he's 45, okay. a couple more years. So and if you've watched him play recently, uh, people have questioned he's lost. he's lost a little bit. He has. I don't think anybody can say he's the same quarterback he was 10 years ago. No. But is he good enough to still lead the team? Probably. He's, he's probably still one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah. So of course, I'm from he will New, be back. I'm from New York, so I've always been a Patriot fan. But I saw them play this year, and my wife and I were talking. I said, nah. I said, they aren't going to make it. I said, they might get by the first round, but that's going to be it. So I was wrong. They didn't make it past the first round. So. Yeah. So anyway, so it's anybody's guess. And okay, Super Bowl. Who do you think then? If you don't think uh, Green Bay, who do you think? I'm kind of leaning toward the Chiefs. What about you, Bill? The Chiefs look good to me. I'm doing? a 49er fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I'm hoping for my team, Green Bay. They didn't do it. You know, they haven't done it, and I, I wanted to do it. Well, you them. you and my son can go cheer by yourself. Well, you know, I'm you know <laughs> the, the wife the wife and I are big fans of uh, Wisconsin these days. So you know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, Bill, you know, I, it's been great having you here. I hope you come back all the other times that we're here. I don't know if you can make it every every time or every well, Saturday, well, but hey, if you give can, it a man, shot, if you can, that'd be awesome. It's so glad to, I'm glad so glad to have you back. <coughs> As I choke to death here, one of the <laughs> one of the original members of Talking Tune, and and uh, Greg Roberts couldn't be here today because of uh, a sick person in the family, so we miss we're missing him today. But coming up, I'll be talking to Pete, Peter Manning, who is uh, the executive. Uh, Advice of the uh, lighthouses are all around our Michigan area here, and uh, we'll be talking with him about what's going on with that, with the erosion and everything else that's happening with the lighthouses these days. And uh, well, here's a, we're featuring some Don Henley today. 
Dirty laundry, you know about that. I'm a Skeegan's 100.9. Good. Yeah. 
John Henley, Dirty Laundry on 100.9. And we'll be back with more Talk to Tunes, and I'll be talking with Peter Manning. So keep it right here. I'm Muskegon's 100.9. I want to go with Karen Valentine. I don't blame you. Why is the booby bird called the booby bird? Because it has big feet. Let's start with Red Fox, please. Yes, from Sanford and Son here on NBC, my buddy Red. Say, are most stolen cars recovered? I had one recovered in Zebra once. I'd like to thank our guest today, uh, Peter Manning, of course, Mr. Bill Eddings, Bob Ecker, uh, Paul Phillips, or Peter Tripp, the curly-headed kid in the third row. I'm Oscar Osbo. Hopefully you'll join us again next week on Talking Tunes on Saturday from 10 to noon right here on Muskegon's 100.9. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Okay, Paul Lynn, please. Paul, this is for $1,200 in the championship. Dale Evans, Dale Evans, recently revealed the three secrets behind her happy marriage with Roy Rogers. Listen carefully. We work together, we pray together, and we're darn good... What? In the saddle. <laughs> Right now, we're going to end things out with, uh, well, I'm going to end things out anyway, with Chevy Van, a good old Chevy Van tune from the 1970s with, uh, well, it's the live version, so it's a little bit, a little bit more. Clean up this room. It looks like a pig I gave a girl a ride in the wagon. She crawled in. She was tired, cause her mind was a dragon. I said, get some sleep and dream of rock and roll. Cause like a picture she was laying there, moonlight dancing off her head. She woke up and took me by the hand. She's gonna love me in my Chevy van and that's alright with me. She was laying there Moonlight dancing off her hand She woke up and took me by the hand She's gonna love me in my Chevy van And that's alright with me
that macaroni and cheese now? Are you ready for macaroni and cheese? Yes. Are you ready to put the cheese in? Yes. I guess we're ready for macaroni and cheese. And um, Nathan's going to put the cheese in. You're listening to Oscar Osbo, where your friends are. What? Where's the bathroom? Over to the left. Your brain's like a bowling ball, and the three holes are full of dog dung. Professor, is Godzilla dead? No. It can't die so easily. Talking Tunes, Oscar Osbo here with Peter Manning and the uh, executive director of what, no, SPLKA. You can tell me what that is because I'll mess it up. Okay. Uh, it is the Sable Point Lighthouse Keepers Association. Right. It's very simple, Sable Point Lighthouse Keepers Association, but, you know, I never, I never can remember. And thank you, Peter, for, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Peter, I've, I've known you now for about, what, about a year now, right? Yeah, yeah, just a little over a year. That's great. Yeah, so we uh, we did a little project together to uh, to put together some videos for the lighthouses, which was the, uh, of course, the the one on in White White River, the White River uh, Light Station, and mm-hmm. also Sable Big Sable Point. So, uh, and then we did a couple other things, but we had we had a lot of I had a lot of fun. Did you have a lot of fun? Oh, uh, we we had a lot of fun doing it too. And boy, I tell you, uh, this past uh, season. You know, we showed both those videos, both at Big Savo and at White River, and we got several wonderful comments about the videos. So. Good, good. Yep. That's good. Our That's always good to hear. Very impressed. Yep. Always good to hear. So now you are the now explain your duties, so to speak, because you you take care of uh, Big Savo, Little Savo, uh, White River Light Station, and the Ludington North Breakwater. Right? Is that what right. your group? Okay. Now, what yep. Yep. What do you exactly do as the executive? Well, I'm the executive director, and uh, I have a small staff of uh, five other people that work with me. Uh, our mission is to preserve, promote, and educate the public okay. and, to make a, and to make our lighthouses accessible to all. So in that, that means that we have over 400 volunteers that come in and help us keep our lighthouses open uh, from 10 to 5 daily uh, at all four of our lighthouses. So. Uh, it's, it's it's kind of fun because volunteers come in from all over the country, and uh, I think we had like 40, 40 different states represented this year. Uh, we were down, I think we had 43 the, the year before or something, but uh, represented of uh, people that come in to stay either a week or two weeks with us. And at Big Sable, you get to stay right out at the lighthouse. At, uh, at our other lighthouses, you get to stay in a residence uh, that we have for you to... Uh, uh, stay at because there's no room at the at the towers uh, to stay now of course at the, 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 the you don't need anybody to stay over at the river light station because uh matt is over there or uh, the official keeper over there he's yep, one of the yep, yeah that's right yeah so we just actually we just have day keeper opportunities over at the white river light station so no no uh, overnight accommodations there because as you said our curator matt varnum uh does a wonderful job for us and uh he gets to live right there at the lighthouse, so kind of every person's dream to live at the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, I I knew uh, uh, the past keeper over there, uh, not a, not well, not Will Robinson, of course, but you know, uh, William, uh, but Karen McDonald. Karen McDonald yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> but she was uh, there for a long time. Oh yeah, but let's just talk about let's talk about that real quick, just just because sure. uh, that was kind of a fun story to do. We did a, the lighthouse keepers thing where. Um, you had we had the actual uh, log of the lighthouse keeper, which was uh, uh, what was Will William Robinson, right? 
Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. We had we had the lighthouse keeper's log from uh, from the beginning, which was uh, Captain uh, William Robinson, and, and, and he, uh, also his son, or well, his grandson, Captain Bush, which is the lighthouse keeper who followed him. And what we did was uh, we uh, went through those logbooks and we found really uh, interesting entries in the logbooks, like uh, when electricity was first. Uh, brought to the lighthouse or the the piers caught on fire another time and uh, we had an actor or well an actor one of our volunteers who dresses up as the lighthouse keeper he did a great job yeah for us yeah came in and he kind of acted it out and then oscar had uh had somebody read the line and uh yeah, it was it, Don Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and it and it worked out wonderfully. So and we got a lot of great comments on it. A lot of fun too. It was a lot of fun yeah. putting that together. It was that was the hardest one to put together, but it was it was worth it. It was a lot of fun. It was. It was very much so. And uh, the store downtown, uh, you know, helped us out by uh, kind of creating a office for the lighthouse keeper as well with a desk and everything. Yeah. Plus, in the in the meantime, we also got uh, we got a chance to get um, Brett Ashcroft's video that he did when you uh when the ship was uh being seen on the beach there too so that right, was kind of yes. neat it, yep very much so and and once once again you can see parts of it again uh have been uncovered uh with this uh with the shoreline erosion erosion again, yeah so. yeah i would imagine so okay um the, the one thing over there of course you know there there's supposedly the ghost of william robinson that's still still hanging out there matt i, mm-hmm. I talked to matt and matt said he's never heard any any but uh right. <laughs> there's reports there's reports you know yeah that's right karen karen uh, mcdonald had some, some very interesting stories so yeah uh about uh you know going dusting you know being upstairs dusting yeah. in the museum and coming back and uh after taking a phone call and having the dusting all done for her and uh, the rags folded up and uh, all put away. Okay. So. Uh, let's just say it's not, it wasn't memory loss, but anyway. <laughs> no, that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but William Robinson was a very unique character because he's the one that helped not only clear uh, there for, for the ships to get through, but he also helped build the lighthouse, and he, yep. he would not leave. Even though they wanted him to leave, he would not leave. He stayed there till he died. So yeah, that, that, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, you know, he was he was the lighthouse keeper, and then uh, the following keeper that followed him was his grandson. But uh, he ended up staying at the lighthouse, even over the objections of the lighthouse board at the time, and said that only one family could live at the lighthouse. But uh, Captain Robinson stayed there, and. Uh, he had he had vowed uh, never to leave, and when the lighthouse board finally enacted, when he was eighty six, you know, sent him a letter and said, you know, thirty days to vacate the property. Um, you know, the day before the sheriff was to come and get him uh, is when he passed away. Isn't that crazy? That's just crazy. It it's a great story, so. though. Great story. It is. It is very yeah. much so. And he had a real love for the for the area, and you know, and for the ships and and uh, that type of thing. So. Now you you have a, a similar ghost over at Big Sable, which is uh, is Henry, right? Wasn't it Henry? Henry, yeah, Henry is a is our ghost. Uh, Henry was a keeper from I think nineteen about nineteen fifty six to nineteen sixty two, and uh, so yeah, we've had a lot of reports of uh, people seeing like maybe the top, uh, you know, uh, a person walking uh, with their back to them or a lot of doors being unlocked, uh, baking a bread, you know, smelling baking bread, uh, when nothing's really in the oven and 
especially cigar smoke, uh, that uh, they'll walk in and we don't have any, there's no smoking in the in the lighthouse, but people will swear that somebody's smoking a cigar. Right. Well, yeah. And, and that can be explained by people coming in there with cigar smoke on their, on their sure, person sure. or whatever. But, yep. but, and, you know, and the other thing about the keepers too, that some of the stories of the keepers, because we looked at the, the log book of uh, some of the ghost reporting too. And right, some, yeah. some of the keepers said it was cigar smoke. Some of it said it was pipe smoke. But yes, yep, that, definitely a different, yeah, yeah definitely right, a yeah, different smell, so. yeah. And and his actually his uh, stepson visited last summer, and I was telling him about some of the stories, and he said, "Well, yeah," he said, "My dad was a real practical joker." So, <laughs> yeah. And re- so, <laughs> well, the, 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 he, he said I wouldn't put any of those stories, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dad. So. Well, the, the, you know, there's, there was some good ones, too, about the, the rosary appearing and uh, the yes. one that they talk about where they can feel somebody kicking them in bed and, you know, when they're sleeping there by themselves and, you know, right, stuff yeah. like that. It's fun stuff. It's just fun stuff. Yep. But it anyway. It's fun stuff. So, it's fun stuff. So we don't take it real seriously, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to talk about. Right. So, uh, White River Light Station, um, the uh, Sabo Point, Big Sabo and Little Sabo, and they'll be open again in, for tours in May, right? Right, yes, yeah. Uh, White River and Little Sabo and the Breakwater all open the Friday, um, right before Memorial Day, and uh, Big Sabo opens a little bit earlier that opens May 6th. Okay. We have more of the interview with Peter Manning coming up, but right now it's time to dance with me. Here's Orleans, the live version. On the one and only Muskegon's 100.9.
You're listening to Oscar Osbo. We're back on Talking Tunes, and we're talking with Peter Manning, the executive director over the Lighthouses. Now, let's talk a little bit about the little serious thing as far as the erosion, though. You've had some trouble over there at Big Sable, and of course, uh, um, over at uh, even at White, R- White River, you've had a, a little bit of. Uh, well, you, the boat is coming back. I guess you can see that again. So it's not really right. erosion problem as much there, but I guess Big Sable's having some troubles. Yeah, yeah, we we are having a lot of erosion problems at Big Sable and also at uh, Little Sable Point too. So okay. The the water at Little Sable is about twelve feet away from uh, the tower. Wow. Um, and uh, the the base of the tower has like us. It's like a retaining wall, uh, but you really can't see it because most of it's underground or something. And, uh, but it's got rocks piled on it, so it's about 12 feet away from there. Uh, the locals have told me that um, back in 1986-87, the water was right up to the rocks. So hmm. so they, they don't seem to be too concerned. Um, I did have somebody took a picture of Lil Sable and put it on Facebook, yeah. and it showed that it was tilting. And I get, a lot of, I get phone calls from, like, Las Vegas and... It must have really hit Florida because we had like 20 phone calls from people in Florida wanting to know how come we were letting it fall into the water. So, but uh, the state park and ourselves are monitoring it and making sure that uh, that that little sable is safe. Uh, some of the dunes around, and of course, the beach uh, has eroded has eroded greatly around there. So, right. the beach is probably you know I started seven years ago, and the beach is probably only a third of what it was seven years ago. Now, where is the Little Sable exactly? Uh, it's in Silver Lake. Okay. And uh, it's on the Lake Michigan shoreline. Okay. Um, and it's in the uh, Silver Lake State Park there. So. Okay. And uh, as far as the um, the erosion there, is it really tilting, or is that just a bad it, photography? It was, it was, it was, it was just uh, the angle of the photograph. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so was the guy drinking before? Before he took the picture, was the guy drinking before he took the picture, maybe? Uh, Yes, yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, but it's it's great that people are concerned about it, though, that they are. Very much so. Yeah. And and then a big sobble, just because all the groundwater in the, actually the groundwater in the state park and that, uh, we're getting a lot of water that's splashing over our seawall, but then all the water that's uh, been ponding up uh, from the rain and everything else, um, the ground, you know, the groundwater is like two or three inches just below the uh, our foundation hmm. at, at Big Sable, and so we've had to put a sump pump in because on windy days and that, when we get a lot of water splashing over the seawall, and uh, the next day it evaporates into the ground, and then it starts seeping into our uh, basement. At right. Big Sable. So, so we've had some water problems there. The state park. Uh, sent some engineers out uh, from the other side of the state. They're moving a couple of different buildings for them over um, on Lake Huron. And they sent two engineers out because they were sure they were going to have to move Big Sable. But after the engineers took a look, they said, nope, with our new sump pump that uh, we had installed. And and uh, it looks like we'll have some plans for hopefully putting some rock out in front of the seawall to break up the waves before they hit the seawall. Okay. All right. Good. And the, good. And the and the state will be working with us for that. But uh, we did. Uh, there was a dune on the north side of of the seawall that was right up to the seawall, and now you could uh, drive a truck between the seawall and the dune. It's it's collapsed so much. So, oh man. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I we're, saw. We're, we're finding things that uh, that that the dune uh, had uh, shifted a few years ago, and uh, like some walkways that we forgot to roll up uh, winter season. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. And an old picnic table. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those walkways are very cool too. I mean, um, yeah, they are. But before I get into that, as far as yeah, I saw you on, on I think it was TV thirteen or somewhere. Somebody interviewed you. I know about yes. that because there's a lot of there was a lot of concern about the big Sable lighthouse. Right, so. Yes, yeah, yeah. Fox seventeen did. Yeah. Oh, seventeen. That was it. Yeah. I knew it was one of those stations. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, I'm surprised it wasn't Brad Ashcroft. You know, he didn't come out there and I do know, that. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, um, as, as far as the uh, the sidewalks now those roll up those are very cool can you tell people a little bit about those because yeah, they can yeah, actually donate have, money we, yes yeah yeah one of our fundraisers is customized walkway boards uh that we put out at big sobble we put them on little sobble and we also have them in the uh wheelchair ramp at uh, white river and for a hundred dollar donation uh you can have a customized walkway board with two lines of uh characters 25 characters per line and uh, so we get a lot of people uh, that uh, love to come out and see the lighthouse, and uh, and it's a memory for for people. And then they they uh, sponsor a walkway board, and then the next year they come out and take a look and uh, bring the grandkids uh, out or whatever. Yeah, bring the grandkids out and everything. We had one uh, grandparents uh, that they sponsored a walkway board. They had brought their grandchildren out, and of course you walk two miles out to Big Sable, and the grandkids after walking two miles out, two miles back said grandpa this is the death march <laughs> so, so gra- grandma and grandpa put death march on the on the board <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is though i mean that it is, i yeah. tell you what as far as the other ones they're they're not the the tower walking to the tower is not that bad <sighs> but this one not only is it the highest tower you have yeah. to walk two miles to get to it and then you right. walk up what is it? How many, uh, was it 300 steps or something? No, no, 130. 130. Okay. It seemed yeah, like 300 to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, all I know is when I walked up that all the way to the tower and I walked yeah. down, I was fine. I seemed like I was fine. The next day I could not move. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it catches me at the beginning of the season too. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh yeah. So that if you want to get some exercise, that's the one to go to. That's for sure. That, that is, that yeah. is. So, well, hopefully uh, everything works out well, uh, well with the uh, the Big Sable uh, yes. lighthouse because uh, Big Sable Point, um, right. man, that's it's a beautiful lighthouse. I mean, it's it's one of yeah. the you can go inside. It's got it's all kinds of room in there. It's got a wonderful gift shop there, and it's got of course a great video that somebody helped yeah. put together. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, even the, like I say, even now is that I I don't know I haven't seen it yet. But is the which video is in the uh, the the room at the uh, White River Light Station? I know you have the one upstairs, which is just about the White House, the White House, uh, the Lighthouse. The, the, the one, uh, the one at uh, in, in the Keepers Workshop, which is a uh, which is one of our new exhibits uh, at the White River Light Station, uh, is where we play the video uh, of the whole history of the White River Light. Station. Okay. So, All right. So that's yeah. That. It's a really nice ten-minute video that uh, that uh, really uh, Oscar did a great Oscar you did a great job uh, putting that together. And, uh, oh yeah, you you helped me a bit there, Peter. You helped yeah, me just well, a little that's bit. Right. That was <laughs> anyway, but the so the one upstairs, then I guess at the White River Light Station is the one about the keeper. Yes. Okay. Right. Yep. All right. Yep, that's correct. Yep. So yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. But anyway, that was yeah. that, that's a good one to watch too. So it is. 
is. Yep, very much so. Yep. And uh, anyway, so I, I appreciate you talking to me today, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, for May to come so I can go visit the light stations again. I, I still haven't been inside the one at the uh, um, Ludington, uh, the breakwater. Oh, okay. Um, right. Every time I was up there in Ludington, it seemed like the water was going over. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's for sure. We were closed about 50% of the day. Yeah. Last summer, yeah, because I would the water so. being so high. Yeah, I never. We're probably, lo- we're probably looking at that again this year too. Because so. I would, I actually walked out there. Um, I don't remember what it was. It was it was before it opened anyway? So. Oh, okay, all right. And I actually got to walk out there, and then I went to when I went to go back to get inside. It was closed, mm-hmm. and it was like I don't know two or three times I went there, and it was closed all. <laughs> so I went there because because of the water, because of the you know the water That's going right. over. Well, you can't I'll walk to, out I'll there. Have to call you on a sunny day when it's calm, and we'll go out together. All right, That's sounds great. good. It's a great. That's a great walk. Also, it's it is. It is. It's a nice walk out. It, oh yeah, yeah. So, all right, Peter. Thank you so much for uh, for talking to me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Oscar. I certainly appreciate it. So. And looking, like I say, looking forward to uh, visiting all the light stations around West Michigan. It's it, it's a it's it's fun. I mean, it, it is. It's fun. It's great exercise, and it's a whole family event. You know, very family friendly. Not very expensive to take the the, the tours. So that's, that's right. also yep. very. And it, of course, the money goes back to preserving the uh, the uh, light stations. So yep, that's yeah. right. So thank you, sir. We'll talk to you real thank soon. You. Thank you very much. Hey, have a great day. Thanks for thinking of us. Oh yeah, thanks. Yep. You- you bet. Goodbye. Bye. Time to take a quick break on Talking Tunes, and we'll talk to you again here real soon. <laughs> 